Hello, welcome to the Dubcast. It's it's me, Johnny Ginter, and and once again we have the the lovely Andy Vance. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Oh, lovely. Let's try to keep the expectations manageable, right? <laughs> I have a face for radio, after all. <laughs> well, you know what? That's not only do I have a face for radio, but I've been told that my voice sounds like somebody who's been abusing bath salts. So I'm I'm fine with that. Uh, you just gotta you just gotta you know use what God gave you. I think, Andy. I think that's mm-hmm. that's just part of it. Preach so. on, brother. <laughs> all right so we're sitting here it's monday night we're recording a little bit early um we've got a basketball game that we're going to mostly ignore i i would assume andy that you will probably turn it on a little bit later right do you are, are you a little how what is your interest level on this championship game involving I, our greatest nemesis boy i, I tell you um not it, it was higher uh it's higher closer to the game than it was you know, two or three days ago, okay. uh, it, it was funny. Like the stunning Mrs. Vance made some comment over the weekend. She's like, Oh, and then, you know, we'll watch the game Monday night. I said, what game? And she's like, uh, <laughs> you know, the basketball game. I said, why would we, why would we watch that? She's I like, will not so- sully the pixels of my screen. <laughs> cause, this. cause it's kind of a big deal. She said, you know, and I was like, Oh, well, uh, I just find it. You know, I made the comment cause she, she's a mountaineer. And so I was watching okay. when, when Nova and West Virginia were, were playing. And I said, man, if there is a bigger contrast in styles between Jay Wright and Huggy bear, I, I don't know what it is. You know, you have one guy that looks like he just rolled out of bed after a bender and the other guy's a Brooks brothers model. Right. And then, you know, coach Beeline got in, uh, in on the act today and he said something to the effect, I'm going to butcher the quote, but he said, after this is all over, he said, Jay Wright's still going to look like George Clooney and I'm going to look like Columbo. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> everybody knows Jay Wright has that. He's got that head, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he's got this way. By the way, real quick. So your wife being a mountaineer, how does she feel about old Huggy Bear? How does she feel about Bob Huggins? I, you know, I haven't queried her like, you know, ride or die with Huggy Bear or not. I think generally speaking, the whole press Virginia thing, I think they like that, you know, I think as a okay. fan base, they embrace that, that this is who we are and we are press Virginia. We're the best defense in the country and so on and so forth. So I think, I think they really like that. It would have been nice, you know, for them to be able to get over that hump, this go around. Um, but you know, Hug, he's, he's, uh, he's one of the best in the game. I don't know what you say otherwise. Yeah, the fact that West Virginia has accomplished as much as they had in general, I mean, I don't care who the, the coach is, I think it's kind of remarkable. But there is a game tonight, and there has been some measure of debate on Twitter, not on 11warriors.com, because I think we're all pretty unified on this. But yep. I think overall, uh, there's been somewhat of debate uh, where people are buying this whole conference conference pride thing a little bit and they're 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 okay with rooting for michigan i am personally not i know how exactly how insufferable they will be should they get any kind of you know success uh nationally so i'm i'm definitely not rooting for them but do you do you understand that argument do you buy that argument that you know conference pride and we should be rooting for the big 10 to be strong and all that crap i i can understand the argument i don't buy the argument how's that i i I think it's uh i think it's silliness you know now football bowl season when we're watching other non-michigan big 10 teams then yeah i don't have a problem rooting for a wisconsin or an iowa well maybe not iowa this year but i can root for a wisconsin or a nebraska one because they're land-grant schools and i buy into that whole land-grant mission thing so i can i can get behind those Mm, that school up north i don't care if we're playing tiddlywinks i want to see them ground into the (laughs) turf and uh you know and and whiz on their charred remains right i just i'm going old school woody hayes on this i don't care what it is yeah look i in general i want michigan to be successful but i don't want them to be that successful there's there's definitely a line 
with which I don't want them to cross in terms of their happiness and in mm-hmm. general, you know, competence. And winning a national championship would be far beyond that line that I've set. Uh, frankly, getting the final four or the championship game is far beyond that line. If you get to the Sweet 16, I'm like, okay, we're the opponent. Lead eight, final four, championship game. I start to get really annoyed. And I, I just, I hope so much tonight that Villanova just puts them in their place. And I think they will. I think they're a much better team. But honestly, like, you can't keep giving them chances because eventually they're going to pull one off. And, uh, you know, you just hope that Ohio State can get there sooner than later so that you have that kind of clap back if they decide to try to, you know, make a deal out of it. Because um, they're not a basketball school. They will claim that they are for the next several months. Uh, <laughs> but they're not. And I, I think they, they need to be uh, kind of put in their place a little bit. But we'll see. I mean, it's they've been defying expectations all season. They've been getting continuously better as the year has gone on, which is something you see out of the best Izzo teams. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen tonight. I, I think it's going to be hopefully a good turnout for Ohio State fans and people who believe that Michigan suck forever. But I don't know. I saw some takes today, you know, developing. You're talking about Coach Izzo, who, who I would say, you know, the, for Michigan State's coaches, I, I have a little bit of a, you know, non-Ohio State coaching man crush on those two guys. I, I don't know why. I just, I, I like the two of them. Um, but I started hearing something, and Coward may have had it on his show, talking about that, hey, you know, maybe uh, maybe Izzo isn't even the best coach in his state. And I'm like, okay, maybe we want to slow <laughs> But I, what it is is that, you know, John Beeline is just a really – likable guy and that's yeah. really frustrating out of a michigan man right like i like brady hoke now uh you know so it's like you can't there's there's a they talk about your line you don't want to cross like uh, right. a, a michigan man uh can't be likable that's not okay right well <laughs> but, you know if brady you be detestable left. or anyway right if brady oak had never left kettering and he had just chilled out and and hung yeah. out you know yeah, i think people you know, I think he would have been a very solid Southwestern Ohio bro, but uh, unfortunately, he he chose the dark side and yeah. did what he did. So here's the deal. So obviously, basketball hopefully is rapidly becoming a you know capital A, capital T, a thing at Ohio State. Yes. Uh, bringing that back a little bit. Um, and what's interesting is we just had a report today from from good old Dan. Uh, saying that uh, board of trustees might be reducing men's basketball student ticket prices, which has been an issue and not ticket prices per se, but the fact that we just haven't had a great atmosphere in the shot and scene center. I think there were a couple games this season where you had an excellent, awesome home court advantage. And for the rest of the time, it was kind of meh. And so I think this might be a good way to entice students to maybe get back into it. And in full confession as a student, didn't really go to many basketball games. And I was I was a student during the Greg Oden Conley year, like the, the greatest season in recent history. I wasn't there. Like I, I just didn't show up. And part of it was because of the cost. Um, so I think it's a great idea. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things where Ohio State has some limitations. I mean, we've we've beat the horse uh, about the Schottenstein not being a great <laughs> venue, but the, the, its location right yeah. hurts in terms of student attendance. So any barrier that you put up to the students being there and cost is one of those barriers, you know, it just adds to that. Well, it's expensive, and I don't want to have to walk all the way over there to go to a game. Well, it's expensive, and... And, and, and it's a terrible product or so Well, hey, we're starting to erase those, right? It's a great product right now. Even even if they didn't win the game, I was at the Clemson game, you know, that ended up being a, a, a lopsided win for them. Uh, but it was a great game because that team played until the end. There was yeah. none of this, you know, oh, we've had our teeth kicked in and we're done playing basketball today like we'd seen the couple of seasons prior. So 
I think you start lowering those barriers and, and let's go back to uh, field of dreams, you know, build it, they will come. And I think that's what Chris <laughs> Holtman and company are doing here. They're smart. They're so smart. This, uh, this staff, I mean, the whole department, I don't know, he just brought in a, a breath of fresh air and you start seeing the things they're doing step by step by step to rebuild that product, the brand, the excitement around it and so on. I love it. Every, everything done right so far. Well, and I got to tell you something, the, the quality of life stuff isn't just about ticket prices. I mean, there's some other things. We'll discuss this a little bit later on in the Dubcast, but it, it, it's very interesting to me how colleges and, and athletic departments are going to cope with the idea that you have to now compete with a thousand other things. Um, you've also, and, and not just the fact that there's other distractions and whatnot, but just the fact that for a lot of people, it's more convenient, more easy to just watch the game on TV. And they can do it in high def and it's right there in their you know living room at 60 inches, you know, square, whatever. So like to me, I really am curious how Ohio State is going to proceed on this because I think an organization as large as that maybe turns the ship a little bit slowly. And, you know, we'll we'll see what they do. But I think lowering ticket prices is a great start to that. I think it makes it more accessible for the average fan, and I think it gets college uh students a lot more excited about that. So we'll get back to that. In a little bit, but coming up, uh, we've got a really great guest. I'm really excited to have him on. Uh, Brian Roll, one of my favorite Ohio State players of all time. And uh, we'll get his opinion on a few things surrounding the football program. So that's coming up. All right. Joining us tonight, we are really lucky to have uh, Ohio State linebacker, one of my favorite players in the past like 10, 15 years. Uh, Brian Roll, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the guy having me. Well, so here's the deal. One of the reasons why I'm really happy to have you on is because you have had a ton of experience in football at, at all levels and, and all over the place. And there's so many questions that I think a lot of guys on our site wanted to ask you about the technique of linebacking and, and how to play the position and things like that. What I want to start off with is this, because this is a question that we kind of had a debate about this on the site uh, last season. Um, but one of your biggest plays that people really remember you from is is what you did against navy um which is i mean that's that's a huge play and everybody remembers it but what i think we wanted to know was how do you go from playing a team like navy which requires a whole like certain set of like you know defensive mindset and skills to then playing a team like say usc like right after that um it was tough honestly Um, i can remember as it was you know yesterday you know every practice leading up to um, that game, you know, was, you know, more tailored towards, you know, the, the small things that you don't see every day. Teams run the ball, teams throw the ball, but they're cutting and things like that. Right. Um, so I remember, you know, from the first spring practice, we were doing drills and, and things to kind of get ready for that game because it, it was so different. The Hall State doesn't play, you know, you know, teams that, you know, run those kind of, that kind of offense um, a lot. Um, so it, it was a different mindset you had to be in and playing that type of game. And then going to the, you know, game like USC, I mean, that's, that's you know, more traditional offense. You know, they're going to, you know, get on the center. They're going to be in the shotgun. So it wasn't that tough. Um, but, you know, it was actually a, a relief going from, you know, a team that, that cuts almost every play to to a team that, you know, just runs, like I said, easy conventional, you know, pro-style offense. Right. Do you think – I mean, the other thing that I kind of wanted to know about is, like – Dude, is it almost like easier to play against a team like that, or do you really not worry about it so much? Maybe it's more about the individual athletes. Uh, a team, a team like maybe. I mean, it's it's you worry about it <laughs> um, because it's so different, um, right? Like teams like that, they're they're always 
the team to upset, you know, big school teams because oh, yeah. some some people may not take them as, as you know, they are. And especially a team like Navy, man, those guys, I mean, they fight for our country, and you mean to tell me they get to play football for fun. You know, so, <laughs> you know those guys, that's, 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 that they're, they're fun. And, and I feel like, you know, they're a team that you definitely have to prepare for. You know, all the teams that run that offense in general, you have to worry about. Georgia Tech, you know, a team that, you know, has thrived doing the same thing. So, um, you definitely take them serious. You prepare for them like you would any other week um, for any other team. And Brian, as you you know now watch teams and you have a different perspective than than uh, the rest of us, having been in the program, been in the system, played in the league. When you look at linebacking today, you know how how has it changed, evolved compared to when you were playing the game, uh, say while you were at Ohio State, and then along with that, what are, what are your thoughts on the rules that maybe make it tougher to be a, an elite linebacker today? Very very uh, offensive friendly rules, especially at the league. What what are your thoughts on those? Um, yeah, I mean it's changed. I mean I've, I've only been out almost you know nine years, eight years. And they're almost making linebackers, you know, drag down tacklers, you know, or you can't necessarily hit guys or because one thing you're taught as an, as an athlete is you don't need to think on the field. You know, when you think you're beat, and I feel like you're making guys think about how how how's my tackle or whatever. Well, what's this guy not going to do so I can hit him the right way so I'm not, you know, ejected for targeting penalty. Um, I feel like the game is, you know, it has to be safe. Have to have different rules in place to help keep guys safe, but at the same token, one is enough enough to where you take the aggressiveness out of the game. And for guys like myself, who you know played very very aggressive, you know I don't know if I would have been able to play in, in, in today's football, uh, college football, NFL football, because they've taken that that it away. You know where, like I said, you you becoming a, a drag down tackling defenses. Or right. dive at your leg type defenses because you won't get a penalty for it, um, you know. And then the other aspect of you know college football today, honestly, I, I, I wish I would have played in you know the similar college football you know atmosphere today, where you know my speed would have been utilized or, or seen a lot better. You know, playing in the Big Ten, you know, when I was in school, you know, you had those you know you know I formation teams lined up and running right. all that shit. Whereas now they're in you know four or five or six sets every play. And linebackers are, are seven and eight pick guys every year, and especially guys every year. You know, so it would have been fun, but like I said, at the same time, it might have been a little bit, you know, uh, discouraging because of, you know, the rules on tackling and things like that. Yeah, I see, that's really what I wanted to know about because I, I think you would have been extremely successful, like, right now just because I, your skill set as a player, I think, translates really well to what, teams are asking linebackers to do more and more. And you kind of saw, I mean, you know, even when you were at Ohio state and correct me if I'm wrong, because this is just kind of my impression of it, but it seemed like you saw guys like with the the star position and, and whatnot, kind of moving towards that almost hybrid linebacker uh, like position a little bit. And yeah. to me, that was almost like a signal of how offenses were changing and how defensive coaches had to change with that. So I thought that was just really interesting because, like I said, I think you would be really successful today just because of what you were able to bring to the field. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about um, things like when I first got to Ohio State, you know, we had you know, James Laurinaitis and Marcus Freeman on the field and Larry Grant who played a fan linebacker where he was kind of the out-of-the-box out of linebacker. Right. Whereas, you know, moving to my junior year, two years later, you know, we, we had myself and Ross Holman in the box, and then Tyler Moeller at the star position, 
you know, that highlight speed guy. Um, right. So you can see how, you know, just those two years, how, how teams started to, to, to change how defense is played. And now you look now, I mean, shoot, you rarely see two linebackers on the field now because, <laughs> you know, teams are coming out first down with five receivers on the field. And it's kind of like, it's mind-boggling to watch. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, know, it, it, it's about scoring and things like that. So I can understand yeah, one thing I just just real quick, sorry Andy, I just I want to follow up real quick on that because um you guys just specifically about the the seasons that you guys were uh, you know playing but I think you were 2007 through 2010. Um you only lost 8 games in 4 years, which is really crazy. And I kind of see that as, as something very similar to what uh you know has been going on in the past several years with Ohio State football. What kind of like, pressure is on the teams to maintain that especially as you're going through transitions and bringing in new guys and have you know a lot of different looks about what the offense or the defense looks like what kind of pressure is on a team to maintain that kind of success from year to year you know i think um the pressure is really on you know i think you can't do it to yourself because you know expectation you know you come to a place like a house that you're expected to win um and you know the coaches you know there's never a meeting meeting where you sit down and go to say, well, you guys have to win, you know, 11 games this year. The, the freshman class has to win 11 games every year to, to maintain that. But, you know, the, it, it's implied with, you know, being in the house. Day. So you have to apply them to the house. It's expected. Um, right. It, it, doesn't wear on, it doesn't wear on you but because, you know, you come here to win. And and if you didn't want to win, honestly, you don't want to ask. They, they, they end up leaving. They transfer, what have you, um, because of, you know, the expectations are high. Uh, so I, I think it's pretty easy, especially for a lot of kids that come here. You come, they've come from, you know, high school teams that's won championships. You know what, you know, winning gears is just, you know, it's it's magnified a little bit at Ohio State. Brian, you talked about those expectations. So look at at the body of work from the linebacking core last season. How how did you evaluate how the unit did, and then based on that, what are your expectations for them? Uh, here as they they go into this season, as, as you watch what they were capable of last year, how would you expect them to to develop and improve this season? Yeah, I, I know we're going to be a little bit young, but you know I expect our linebackers to be leaders on the team. We're the voice of the defense. You know, it, it's always you know for me it's discouraging when you hear like a team say, "Well, a linebacker is the voice of the safety, the voice of the team," when all I've known is linebackers. So. Um, what they did last year it, it was, was great, and I feel like this year is going to be even better. Um, I know what it takes is practice. You know, I attended practice um, about two weeks ago, uh, actually the third spring practice, and that linebacker looked really good. I was impressed. You know, it's obviously early in the spring practice, and they don't show a lot, but I'm impressed with what I saw. And this year I expect for those guys to, to make huge strides and, and lead the defense. Yeah, okay, I, well, I think based on based on that, give us one bold prediction for this season based on what you what you saw on the field when you were were checking them out at practice. Give us give us one Brian Roll bold prediction for the upcoming season. <laughs> There's going to be, um, I, I, I predict that our our defense will lead the NCAA interceptions this year. Oh, that would be great because the pressure that we're going to put on quarterbacks, you know, they're going to be forced to get the ball out. And obviously, our defensive backs are are, are are second and none. So I feel like they're definitely going to have going to be chopping at the bit. Our linebackers, like I said, they're athletic; they can run. They're long, so they, they're going to get their hands on a lot of balls. Yeah, I think that would be I think that would be excellent. Um, I want to move towards maybe a, a larger view of, of football here for a little bit. 
Um, I, re- I watched an interview a little bit earlier today where you said that some of the advice that you would say to these guys who are going pro and, and obviously Ohio State's had a lot of those in the past several years is to understand that it's a business. And I guess my question for you is along those lines is what can players do to prepare themselves for that business? What can they do to get themselves ready to enter that world? Um, um, there's so many different, you know, players that are part of different organizations with NFL, like the trust and things like that, where you can do these, you know, seminars and and, and different conferences to kind of prep you, um, for the transition. And I'll I'll tell you, I would tell young guys to take full advantage of it. Um, because it can be, it can be overwhelming, you know, being a rookie coming into the NFL and, and boom, you're hit with, you know, (laughs) life, you know what I mean? (laughs) It's, it's football, but at the same token, you know, it, it's it's going from being a student athlete, athlete to a, a paid, you know, employee in a sense um, to do a job. And I feel like, you know, you know, being part of the the trust and in different uh, NFL organizations um, that prep players will, will help these young guys transition and understand what's expected of them, um, what to expect um, from the different teams. I think that's really good advice going into the uh, into the draft. Brian, my uh, man crush, if there is such a thing, is is on uh, Senator turned President Jim Tressel. I, I just, uh, I, 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 I don't know how to describe it other than just have a huge man crush on the vest. So we already got a bold prediction from you. Let's let's get a Jim Tressel story that that we haven't all heard before. One of your favorite Jim Tressel stories that maybe the 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 average Buckeye fan hasn't uh, hasn't heard yet. <laughs> um, uh, I guess that story, and I don't know if most people have heard it. Um, it actually sticks out a lot. Um, and I, I was reminded of it when we lost to Penn State um, a couple of years back. Is when we were down to Penn State, fourteen to three at half um, in 2010. And I remember, you know, Coach Russell was just kind of cool, tempered, kind of you know even kill guy. I remember him coming to the locker room and. He had a fire under him that I've never seen, you know, and that dude laid into us like it was nobody's business. And <laughs> it, it, it was, it was, it was so shocking because, like I said, when Coach Trussell walks in, he doesn't have to raise his voice because he's Coach Trussell. His presence commands respect. Um, so when he came in, I, I can't say what he said, but I can tell you, <laughs> it, it, it made everybody come in and send out attention. <laughs> and, and, and it, it was one of those. I will never forget it. I will never forget it. As long as my memory stays with me, because you know he he, he laid into us pretty good about you know being a great team. You know we were losing to a Penn State team that was they were okay. Um, we had I think I think we were ranked seventh in the country at the time, and he he questioned about in the locker room at halftime is what kind of team do we want to be? Do we want to be you know an average team or a great team? And and the second half was going to show him that. And I think one of the first defensive plays of the second half was uh, Devon Torrance in an interception um, on a flat route. And that kind of sparked a, you know, 31 to 14 game at, at the end. Yeah, that's, you know, that's something that I have, I have heard rumors about. I've heard legends of this halftime speech, like how heated he got. Um, but it's, it's, I, it is very nice to get confirmation from someone who was in that room to, to know the full fury of, uh, Jim Tressel getting pissed. That's great. <laughs> That's great to hear. Um, Brian Roll, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. It was great talking to you. And uh, we'll have to have you on again sometime. 
Uh, I appreciate it, guys, and I appreciate you guys keeping up with, with sports and keeping everybody in tune. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. And that was Brian Roll. That, again, super excited to have him on the Dubcast and also super excited that you're listening. So if you would, please rate and subscribe on iTunes. Please patronize our incredible dry goods store, which has a number of excellent uh, items there. By the way, I really need to get um, – I, I, I don't want to be turning one of those guys that has like 100 hats, but I really like that Ohio State flag hat, you know, where it's just oh, a so flag. Good. So oh good. my god, I need that really bad. So I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna just buy that after we finish recording because I really want that. And um, you know, here's here's the other thing too, Johnny. I gotta tell you, the the dry goods store did a solid for the Vance household last week. So I was oh, rocking, yeah? I was rocking my, uh, you know, one of my great t great plays uh, t shirts. In this case, it was King Wright sixty four Y shallow swap, Excellent. and I love that shirt. I love the our shirts in general. They're so comfortable. Uh, but that one in particular, I had it on and. The the little tyke, uh, you know, five years old, going on fifteen, and she is uh, reading like a little bandit, and she's reading my shirt, practicing her reading, and she's like, okay. "Daddy, what does King Wright sixty four Y shallow swap mean?" And so I got <laughs> to tell her a little bit of history about what that play was, one of the greatest plays in Buckeye history, and of daddy course. was a daddy was an undergraduate at the Ohio State at that time, and. And so it was a nice little trip down memory lane. So see, not only will you look good, but it it can help you bond with the next generation of Buckeye. <laughs> there fans. you go. By the way, you want to you want to hear something? Um, you want to hear something funny about Holy Buckeye? So this is just a quick aside. Um, I actually this is before I was super into Ohio State. This what what year was that? That's two thousand two, right? That was oh uh, two, yeah, eleven nine oh two. Yeah, so two thousand and two. I was a I was a senior in high school and I wasn't like I watched you know I liked Ohio State football I watched as many games as I could but I wasn't like super into Ohio State football's like success it wasn't a part of my identity quite yet at least not until I got to college and I was actually in Columbus uh during that so obviously Holy Buckeye took place at Purdue but I was in Columbus I was watching the Ohio High School uh soccer final that occurred on the same day and I was in Crew Stadium. I got to sit in the press box because I got a cousin who's like the head accountant of OSHA. And, um, so I got to do all that. And that was fun. And as we're driving back home to Middletown, um, I we're listening to the game on the radio, you know, because it's a close game. And I know Ohio State's good that year and I want him to win. And when that play happens, the radio just goes <laughs> like there's just like insane gibberish. And I thought Ohio, I thought that was the crowd noise. I thought Ohio State just <laughs> And so I just turn it off. I'm like, screw this. And I would just turn the radio off. And I sit there in <laughs> anger, silence for like, you know, 45 minutes on our way back to Middletown. And it's not until the next day because we, you know, I didn't watch TV because I was super pissed. And I didn't like, you know, we had the internet, but we didn't really like use it for like sports updates at that point. Uh, so I just was super pissed. It wasn't until the next day that I read it in the newspaper that Ohio State won. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> what just happened here? Purdue so, apparently has that effect on us. Right. I, so it wasn't until like I, I I didn't even get to see it until they had these highlight packages on ESPN and Crab where they were like, oh, yeah, Ohio State won. I'm like, uh, OK. So they, <laughs> well, I got freaked out. I got freaked out. My Purdue, I almost screwed up story. Uh, so the first time the stunning Mrs. Vance and I went to an Ohio State game together. Now, you know, we mentioned earlier, you know, she's she's a a Mountaineer born and raised. And so um, I took her to the Purdue game 
in 2012. And you may recall that was the year that uh, Smooth Jazz Kenny G sent into uh, the ball game, you know, yeah. in relief because Braxton, you know, I thought he was dead. Like that hit. Uh, <laughs> he took know, a massive like, hit. Oh, it's a huge hit. And I'm like, oh, they killed him. Season's over. He's dead. And, yeah. and here comes smooth jazz. And we have like, what, a minute left. It's less than a minute. Uh, we're down, we're, we're down by what, you know, some, uh, un- insurmountable, uh, insurmountable, um, well, they were, I think they were down points. by like eight or so, cause they had to get a touchdown and an extra and point. the two point conversion. Yep. And, and so I'm watching and yeah, that's right. So we're down by eight and, and it's like, okay. I'm, I'm ticked. I'm mad. You know, Braxton's hurt. Here comes uh, Kenny Guyton. We're going to lose to Purdue. This is terrible. And right. I said, let's just go. Let's just go. Oh, no. And the stunning Mrs. Vance looks at me and she says, you're going to be one of those people. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? She's like, you're going to leave early because you're losing. <laughs> I'm like, well, not now that you've shamed me into. It. And then it ended up being, you know, the greatest comeback in the history of sports, you know, oh, no leads, leads that charge with less than a minute to play, you know, get, gets, uh, the, the eight points to tie it up and comes back. And I mean, it was just incredible. Of course. then she looked at me, she's like, and you wanted to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, that's legitimately pr- like that last sequence might be in my top five Ohio state moments of all oh, time. It was incredible. Just it was because incredible. it's so hilarious that Kenny Guyton, a person, I mean, at that point in time, he hadn't really established his bona fides at all. Like nobody really knew much about Kenny Guyton um, or that he was capable of something. And that was like, you could name, was, you, you could so have named crazy. him the starter at that point, And right. I wouldn't have cared. Like I was ready to have that man's babies. It was, it was an yeah. incredible experience. Yeah, that was fantastic. Um, all right. So that's, I, you know what, that's, I think that's a nice little bit of reminiscing. I, I always, uh, you know, appreciate a good comeback win over Purdue, especially when it's not a, a loss to Purdue, which yeah. similar, similar things have happened. Uh, but let's, let's scoot on over to ask us anything. We've got some really good questions this week and I want to make sure that we can hit them up appropriately. So if you would like to ask us anything, please send us questions to dubcast at 11 warriors.com or at 11 dubcast. And let's start with uh, our good friend, Alvin. This one's fun. So for your average Joe with no athleticism uh, or musical background, is it harder to train and walk onto the Ohio State football team or to make tryouts for the best damn band of the land? Andy. Now, now the way he phrased that is that with no musical talent whatsoever. Like, so like okay. Yeah, just like your regular guy you've never so played. Instrument. I would – oh. Man, I I don't want to undersell how tough it is to walk on the football team at Ohio State because that's uh, you know a big deal. Right. But having marched in a marching band, not not the best damn band in the land, but just high school marching band. Um, I mean, that's walking and chewing gum at the same time. It's kind of a big deal. And I, I will say, when I first got to campus, I I had the brilliant idea that I would because I played sousaphone in high school. And what's the greatest thing about being a sousaphone player at Ohio State? Well, it's dot in the eye, right? right? So. Of I, I went to a couple, they, they weren't tryouts, but they were like uh, informational type sessions, you know, sure. kind of uh, a mini camp, if you will, for, for people who were interested in trying out. And, you know, having marched all four years of high school, plus uh, my eighth grade season, I marched because I was, you know, the big fat kid that could carry the sousaphone. <laughs> it, it was unbelievable just the learning of the chair step which is the signature look you know the high step Mm. that ohio state's known for just the difficulty of moving from like a traditional marching step into a to a chair step was like oh this is a big deal the other thing i always thought was really cool about the marching band is is you know there there are in essence 
um, competitions every week, maybe not for every oh, spot yeah. on every line, but it's a competitive thing all season long. Um, if you're not, if you're not carrying the mail, somebody will challenge you and you will lose your spot on the line. And I just, I don't know. I'm, I can't say enough about the band. They're, Let, they're let's, incredible. Let's put it this way. All right. It, an average Joe who has just average athleticism, maybe they have like the greatest day of their lives and, and they just, let's say they want to go out as like a slot receiver or something and they catch everything that's thrown their way and they look good in pads and they're okay. They, they can run. They're decently fast or whatever. Um, let's just say they have the best athletic day of their lives. They might get a look. Okay. They, they might get a look as a walk on scout team guy, right? Yeah. Like if, if all the stars align, it's possible to happen. If you have no musical training, there is no yeah. chance in hell you are getting on yeah. the Ohio state marching band. It's just not happening ever. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's a 10,000 hour, you know, the old 10,000 hour rule kind of concept, right. right. To, to no, obtain so, mastery. Yeah. So <laughs> sorry. Unless I don't want to understand, I don't want to understand, undersell walking on to the, to the football team. Cause that's a big no. deal. But yeah, man. I'm, those two things are not really comparable. Unless you unless you get like the drums working or something, you know, like the big percussion thing, you're like, I'm just here for the, I'm the xylophone dude. Just yeah, just if you were going to do it, you're you're going to choose to be a percussionist, like because not that not that that's easy. I don't percussionists don't send, don't at me for saying this, but I'm like <laughs> okay, you know, I, I played the sousaphone. You had to, you know, you had to learn the you know reading music with multiple notes and and so you know there's a lot that goes into playing a brass instrument. You know, so you're going to pick a drum, uh, probably probably the bass drum or, or maybe the cymbal or something. Like, again, just don't send me hate. But if that was your goal, like I'm going to train for it and make it, you got it. You got to start there. And and but uh, hey, here's the thing: the the drums are the backbone of the band, right? So you got to be really good. So even if you right. think you've picked the easiest spot on the team to walk on, you're wrong. You're still, you, yeah, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> All right, tell you what, Connor, we you have a really great question, but I, I want to save that maybe for another week. We have a little bit more time to devote to it. It's it's basically about NFL players and who would have the best you know team of all time. We'll, we'll get into all that. Oh. That's that's a that's a discussion that's for another day. Maybe requires saucy. a little bit. Yeah, sorry, a little bit more time to re, uh, to devote to that one. But let's go over here. Let's let's do uh, Brogan Brogan Riley. Uh, he's a big fan of the Dubcast, and he's been trying to think of something Nebraska saying. And now, and now he feels that he has something that he can ask us. So, if the Dubcast had a theme song, what musician slash band would we want to reach out to write and perform the Eleven Warriors title track? That's heavy. Yeah. Well, what about the Heavy, which is a very good band that I enjoy quite a bit. Right on. You ever heard? You know the Heavy? Are they? You know what makes a good man and. I would say that my tastes, while eclectic, may may or may, may not, not be. That's okay. I mean, the obvious is the Black Keys, right? But well, I didn't want to say the so most on. obvious thing. I'm like, but that's yeah. you know, that's probably that's probably where my mind went to went to begin with. Right. You know, we're not country. We're probably not country enough to uh, to get uh, you know the the hometown boys, Rascal Flats, to, uh, to to sing. I don't picture you rocking beings, out I'm, to. I'm definitely not country enough. Yeah, yeah, I don't picture you rocking out to. Uh, although you know the pride of Central Ohio, but no. Hmm. Hmm. See, if it were me, I would go. You know, I, I'd hit up like Dayton's Funk Roots, and I would get you know some kind of like. Ohio players kind of thing going on. You know what I mean? Like that I would, I would try to, or, or if I wanted to get really esoteric, I'd get some kind of like, you know, Bach or Beethoven or Mozart. Ohio's all about rock and roll, man. Right. It's all about yeah. rock and roll. Well, it's true. It is Ohio. 
Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh might be a I good love, choice. Oh, now you're singing for my song sheet. There we you were go. Just, we were just talking about that. His Eagles are playing uh, nationwide, what, this weekend, I think. And I'm I'm kicking myself that we didn't rock tickets for that. And we were talking about you know what the band would be like without Glenn Fry. And right. I said, actually, you know, like Glenn Fry's a legend, but if they could if they were gonna fill that spot any better, I don't know who they would have picked than than you know Vince Gill and and Fry's son. Like I thought that was a really, really smart casting for lack of a better term. Uh we are we are gonna see Def Leppard later this summer. That'll uh, be fun. Oh, such a great concert. Not that that, you know, the, we kind of, you kind of got me off on my classic rock uh, roots here. The <laughs> one, the one I will say, and this is a Michigan man, so shame on me, but I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of, um, um, <laughs> and I just spazzed out on it from Detroit. Um, uh, Bob Seeger. Thank you. I don't okay. know. Speaking of getting old, we were supposed to see Seeger last fall and he literally like broke his neck. And oh, so we've been sitting on these tickets for, months now while he recovers and it's one of those where these aging rockers it's like okay i gotta go see these guys because they may not they just be fall touring apart. forever right? right so and i'm hoping that he recovers so we can go see one last time we we've seen him a couple times and when he comes to columbus and we've seen of course def's going to be touring for a while they're all relatively young in the classic rock genre but right i think you know what i think a good consensus here would be joe walsh as long as we could force him to keep the noodling to like <laughs> 30 seconds as so, opposed to an hour and a half. You play the you play the 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 that is the outro at the end of it, and then those of us who just like to <laughs> right, let it just go. Yeah. Like, Sorry, just, Joe. We just did not enough space on the internet for you to yeah. continue to just rock you don't out. have to play the full 13 minutes of the theme song right. uh, you know at the beginning <laughs> right. of the show, but but we'll let, be an LP we'll, that we release on the we'll go Bill O'Reilly and be like, you know, play us out here. Oh my God. <laughs> All right, so tell you what, we got one more here. This is this is from uh let's let's call him Big D. I think you would enjoy the 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 moniker Big D. We'll do that. Um so he, I've got a couple questions from him. Let's let's start with this. Uh, how do you feel about the perception? He asked, "Why do national announcers diss Ohio State teams so badly?" Do you feel that's the case? Do you do you believe that that's something that's happening and and why if so? I think that the older I get, the more I realize we are really sensitive to any perceived slight um, in general. Like, I don't know why that is. I mean, I think there are definitely opportunities where you could go back and and say, oh, here's a pretty clear, here's a pretty clear diss. And and so, but then the plural of anecdote is not data, right? And that's the challenge that every time there's a bit of a confirmation bias that every time we see it, we're like, see, I told you. Uh, but, but I think we probably are a little overly sensitive to it. And I think probably if you went to most other big time fan bases, maybe, maybe not Alabama, but I'm sure that if you go to, uh, Penn state or an IO or some of these other, you know, larger fan bases, you, you can probably pull them and get the same answers that, Oh, we don't get any respect. We don't get any love. Their media is out to get us, blah, 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 blah. Here's what I would say. While I agree that I don't think Ohio State is, you know, being unfairly persecuted or whatever in general, I will say that I think where that perception comes from, and I, I think it's it's been fair in the past in a lot of instances, I think where that perception comes from is some very specific announcers, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, and people who have been in the media were very vocal about yeah. not being super happy with Ohio State. And when that is out there all the time, I think because it's amplified by ESPN and other other yeah. places, that I think that becomes the perception. And while I don't think that's necessarily the norm, I think 
you know, when Ohio State was, uh, you know, going for the national championship, for example, in 2014, I think a lot of people were behind him because of the story and, and the interest behind it. Um, but on the other hand, I also think that there has been instances where they were just kind of crapped on by the likes of like Mark May, for example, because of whatever <laughs> personal grudge he has. Or honestly, a lot of times announcers or, or commentators will just say, OK, this is my this is my thing. Right. I'm going to have this beef. And so I'm going to I'm going to kind of wink and nudge at this as much as I can, because that'll get me, you know, retweets and things like that. So for me, I don't know that it's like a genuine, you know, for those of the the people that do that kind of stuff. I don't know that it's genuine. I think a lot of it is just this act because they know that Ohio State fans will get so worked up about it and go, that's the guy. That's, I can't. I, oh, I hate him. Well, you follow him I, on Twitter and you retweet th- all this stuff. So that's exactly what he wants you to do. Yeah, um, I think Mark May. I think Mark May was like clickbait on television right yeah, that he, and, exactly. I don't, and maybe he really you know whatever his beef was with ohio state you know w- whether there was a real beef there or you know the in in his earlier days when he said hey every time i take a crap on ohio state you know it it moves the needle oh mm-hmm. ho ho let's let's make this a recurring theme you know so people hey, let's it's entertainment it, to, right. to a certain extent I was, I was listening to coward today in the car and I think Colin's a pretty good radio guy, but sometimes he says things and I'm like, hmm. And so he was going on about the 27 reasons why Michigan was going to beat Villanova like it was a fait accompli. And I was like, wait a minute. I know what this is. If he comes on the show and says Villanova's the number one seed and they're going to thump Michigan into the turf, like it's not going to be compelling radio. But but if I make a contrarian case here, then people are going to talk about that. Yeah, and and that's and, it, and also you go after the big fan bases. I mean, you know, Ohio State's got so many alumni and fans. Uh, one way to get attention is to tick them off. And that's, that's what I think some people have done, especially on the radio in the past, because it's, mm-hmm. it's easy. Yep. Uh, speaking of that game that we mentioned at the very top of this, this podcast, it is now 24, 25 Villanova with five minutes left in the first half. So Michigan, they're playing Michigan's game right now. Um, so we'll see how that works out uh, for the, for the Wolverines, hopefully poorly. Uh, but we'll so be shooters on from the Kansas game show up in the second half. That'd be great. That's that would be awesome. So, uh, Andy, thank you so much for filling. By the way, I forgot to mention this last week. We were talking about hockey. Sorry, before we get out of here, I got to say this. Aubrey Nelson has done an incredible job with hockey, did an amazing job with hockey, uh, both men's and women's hockey for the site, uh, over the past season. So shout out to her. Thank you so much for, for helping us, Aubrey. Um, and shout out to you, Andy, for filling in uh, for Bo for a couple of weeks. You did an excellent job. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll definitely have to have you on back in the future. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I said Bo, uh, Bo may be a, a much more uh, handsome co-host, but <laughs> I bring very definite qualities to the table. And someday when I catalog those, you know, it'll be good. But look, we all know I'm, I'm the face here. So that's yeah, well. Not- you can only have you can only have one face of a podcast, right? You know, Contrary to what I said at the beginning of this, I am I'm the pretty. <laughs> you are the face. I'll never forget it. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I'm you know as a, as a fan of the Dubcast, it uh, it's always a pleasure to be on the show. And and thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on. And uh, for all those listening, we'll see you guys next week and uh, with more Dubcast action. <laughs>